Welcome to episode 36 of the DC Drop, where we talk all the news from this week in DC movies, TV, and comics. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. Let's talk Aquaman. We'll do a big box office wrap-up once it's officially wrapped up. It is still making some money, so we'll wait on that. It has passed Suicide Squad domestically, and it's nearing BVS, and it's likely to hit that pretty soon. But we have home media release details, and it is going to be out March 5th, digitally, and 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, physically stuff on March 26th. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's less than a month away for digital release, at least. Yeah, and it's going to have the special features. It's going to have something like 11 featurettes of various lengths, something like that. There will be some scene study breakdowns and an exclusive sneak peek at Shazam, which I don't know what it is. It could just be an extended version of a trailer, uh, but it does say exclusive, so there's at least something in there. I wonder if it's like a sneak peek similar to how the DC animated movies do those for each as a way to promote the next film coming out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And this is one of the ones where I think the, especially the featurettes would be really interesting. Like if we could see some of the behind the scenes about how they were constructing these worlds and uh, the special effects, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there are a few, several tied to, you know, there's James Wan World Builder. There is the Atlantis Warfare, Aquatech, lots of things. So I think there will be several different uh, things on the creation of all the underwater creatures and that underwater world that was done in the film. So that's pretty cool to look forward to. Box Office Pro just came out with long-range box office predictions for Shazam. So these are not, this isn't official tracking or anything like that, but this is Box Office Pro. They do this, and they're actually pretty good at it, uh, projecting eight weeks out what they think the film will make. Historically, they've done really well with DC movies. They overshot Justice League and undershot Aquaman, but before that, they were really uh, pretty close. But historically, these are pretty conservative, especially eight weeks out, and they get closer uh, as they get closer to the film, but they're predicting a $45 million opening weekend and $144 million total domestically for Shazam. Yeah, and those are those are really decent numbers. Um, this this is not going to be as big of a an earner as you know the big established characters, Aquaman, Superman, Batman, that sort of thing. But those are those are pretty decent numbers for uh, a pretty uh, a pretty unique new kind of superhero film. Yeah, it's harder to predict box office now just because there's so much variables and word of mouth being able to, you know, you can shed, spread your positive or negative word of mouth to thousands of people sometimes in a matter of seconds. And it's harder to predict, but 45 and 144, that would be good uh, for a smaller budgeted film. Like you said, if this film makes 300 plus worldwide, it's it's probably going to be making some profit if depending on that. So this would be really good. You know, we don't know how much they're going to market this, how much they're going to put into the, the advertising budget because it's a smaller budgeted film. Will they also do a significantly smaller marketing budget? We'll see. But if you think these sound bad, remember Aquaman was predicted projected for eight weeks out, an opening of $45 million also, and a total of $175 million, and it's it's over three twenty five now. Yeah, we're not we're not saying that Shazam's going to hit those Aquaman numbers, but it's just a, a nice reminder that these again are very rough predictions, and they can they can go either way over or under, hopefully under. And Shazam does get a lot more, but even if it got what they predicted, that's still that I think that would be considered a success for for Warner Brothers. Yeah, for for a smaller new line film, like you said. So I yeah, we both hope it does much better than that, and I think it has the potential to hit and do much better than that. But we'll see if it does. So. Some of the they do the pros and cons, and you know the cons are the character isn't very well known outside of DC fans, and there's also competition with Dumbo comes out uh, the week before, and there's other superhero films coming around at the same time, so there there will be other options in theaters, but there's also uh, it looks new for it's a new take on the 
superhero stuff. It's a little bit different and it can appeal to teens and there's good social media buzz. And it's actually pretty close. The trailer impact they, that they measure is pretty close to where Aquaman was two months out. And so it, it has potential to, like we said, reach a lot of people and, yeah. and interest people. Let's talk a little bit of details on DC movies from the Hollywood Reporter. They do their newsletter every week and it always seems to have DC nuggets that are that are fun to look at. But the initial draft of Matt Reeves' The Batman was 160 pages. So general rule of thumb is one minute per page. That would mean it was a long movie. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think... When I first saw that number, it kind of made me realize how ignorant I was about. I had never really thought about film drafts before. And I was like, I is that long? That doesn't seem long because, you know, like a book is way longer than that. But yeah, one minute per page. That's that's a pretty lengthy film there. Yeah, two hours and 40 minutes. That I mean, that could be done, but I would be surprised if it was that long. And revisions are already being done. You know, Reeves is tweaking it. Uh, that yeah, it would be surprising for the first film for this new Batman to see it be that long i think it can be done but I, w- I would be surprised by it yeah and i wonder if maybe they take some of the ideas that are in this 160 pages and save it for a later film and start already thinking about a sequel but who knows what's going on behind the scenes yeah absolutely um but yeah i'm sure reeves, reeves knows what he's doing he's he's got my trust in 160 pages i'm sure there's a lot of a lot of character work and a lot of heart put into that because that's what he does another little thing Gun- james gunn was actually offered his choice of several dc movies so he first met with them. He, it wasn't just about Suicide Squad. It's kind of like, hey, here's several projects. Which one do you want? One of those was Superman. Uh, and eventually he went on and decided on the Suicide Squad, apparently. Yeah, not a whole lot to glean from that other than just any any scrap of news about a potential Superman film is exciting. Uh, this is the scrappiest of small scraps, but it's still something. Yeah, uh, this doesn't say much. At first, I was kind of excited, but the timeline here, the way things work, Gunn left Disney in July. He was probably offered stuff from DC immediately after. September is when the Cavill reports came out. October is when Gunn joined the Suicide Squad. So probably this was before then. And this doesn't mean they're still interested in making a Superman movie. But it does tell me at least at one point that they were interested. You know, since Samadis came on, we've heard nothing about a Superman movie. So there's at least uh, at one point he was open to that or you know, Emmerich and the regime, whoever makes those decisions was open to that at one point anyway. Yeah, exactly. In animation, we have a trailer debut for Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Did you check this out? Yeah, I did watch this. This looks this looks really good. Um, that classic animation style um, and just a lot, a lot of really beloved characters. Obviously, it's the Justice League and the Jessica Cruz Green Lantern is really cool too. Yeah, I don't even have a ton of analysis for this trailer because there's just, well, there's so many characters up there in a 90 second trailer it's tough to say what's going on but yeah you see the heavy dcau influence all the characters jessica cruz looks like she'll have a big role and seeing some of those classic voice actors and everything in there looks cool and it is going to come out march 30th digitally and physically on 4k and blu-ray april 16th it'll be rated pg-13 so it looks like a saturday that's a saturday for the digital release which traditionally it's been tuesday but sometimes they i've seen more and more of this mixing it up releasing on different days especially digitally yeah. On to TV. FX has finally ordered Why the Last Man 2 series. This is obviously based on the Why the Last Man comic, and it's the TV show is just going to be titled Why, and it's going to debut in 2020, so we finally have confirmation that it is going to be a series. Yeah, this is really cool. This is a, a really, really, um, well, I mean, there's there's probably lots of shows about End of the World and 
everybody being dead and stuff, but this is still a pretty unique take on that uh, post-apocalyptic kind of situation. And um, I'm excited that the wheels are still moving on this. Yeah, we just got, we did get our first look image and that's presumably York and Ampersand, Mm. uh, his monkey, just walking through basically the carnage. All of the men are dead. It looks like they're going to not waste their time getting around to that in pilot. I could see that being the opening scene where just all the men are dead except for one, the last man, York. Um, so that, that really conveys that just in this first image. I mean, it doesn't really tell us anything other than looks like all the guys are dead. Yeah. And then also going back to this and being reminded of it, I, I re- have been reminded that Barry Keegan to me looks a lot like Ezra Miller, but that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But also the fact that Diane Lane is in this and there's just some good talent uh, behind the show. Yeah, there's just good ta- talent behind and in front of the camera. I think this will be a really good, really good show. Uh, lots of, lots of talented people involved like you said Diane Lane and Michael Green and show running it who's done a ton of good work lately so I think it'll be good but we've got to wait because it won't come out until 2020 yeah that's all right I think we've got enough DC TV to to tide us over for a while probably fair point speaking of which uh there's some casting news we'll just run through these uh Stargirl had some casting uh the deadline reported on so Meg DeLacy from the Fasters has been cast as Cindy Berman and as a, a description of her character, it says Cindy Berman is Blue Valley High's most popular student and its most feared. Secretly, the daughter of Dragon King, played by Nelson Lee, a longtime enemy of the Justice Society of America, Cindy is determined to follow in her father's footsteps. So not a good person, it sounds like. That tells me at least that since there's another high school character, at least there's going to be a decent amount of time spent in high school, which I've, I've said in the past, that's kind of one missing spot for the current DC shows. There's not a lot of time in a school environment or anything like that. So I think this will be unique to that. Yeah. And that's obviously, you know, that brings up memories of, of Smallville and the time set in high schools there. And I've been like pining for that, wanting that ever since they had that flashbook episode of uh, Supergirl when they went back to high school. So yeah, I'm hoping this will fill that, that hole in my heart. I, I it's not, <laughs> it's not that dire, but it's still cool. <laughs> Sounds cool pretty day. extreme. <laughs> uh, and then they also reported that Jake Austin Walker from Rectify has been also cast in Stargirl, but in an undisclosed role. Yeah, I've seen speculation that he might be the red-haired Wally West. Uh, I don't know if there's any. You know, I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I know that's a popular thing. I don't know if people just want to see Wally West more, or if if they actually think there's something to that. I think he had an old tweet about Wally West, so uh, maybe. But yeah, we'll have to see why he is being undisclosed, why they don't tell us who he is. Either yeah. It's either because it's somebody really important or it's because it's somebody very unimportant. Usually that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, nothing in the middle. Uh, next up, Rachel Scarston has been cast in the CW's Batwoman pilot, also according to Deadline. So she, you might know her, she played Dinah in The Daughter of Black Canary in the 2002 Bird of Prey TV series, which didn't last all that long. No, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize how young she was in that series because she's now 33. And uh, mm-hmm. that series was a long time ago. Yeah, she played Dinah in that, had some weird powers that she couldn't quite figure out. Uh, that was a long time ago, yeah. Uh, but she's going to play Alice in the CW's Batwoman pilot. Uh, it says, Alice, if Batwoman had a Joker, it would be Alice, the leader of her Lewis Carroll-inspired Wonderland gang. Swinging unpredictably between ma- maniacal and charming, Alice has made it her mission to undermine Gotham's sense of security. That does sound reminiscent of the Joker. Yeah, Alice is probably one of Batwoman's biggest bads. And so I'm not surprised at all that that's who they're deciding to go with probably as the season one big bad. Yeah. And again, it's cool to to bring in a a female villain to go up against the female hero. 
Next up, Dustin Ingram, for, who's been on Sun Records, has been cast in a recurring role for HBO's Watchmen, also according to Deadline. Uh, but uh, as usual for this show, it's an undisclosed role. Um, there's not been a lot of a lot of details released about the show, but we do know that he's going to be on it. We know who almost no one is playing in Watchmen, but I guess that's fine because there's going to be a lot of original characters. So it's not like if they said a name, it would mean anything to us. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're just inching closer to the show. Yeah, this is the one that, that doesn't follow the rule of if they're undisclosed, it's super important or not important. And this in this case with Watchmen, it's just you you don't know them probably. That's true. Uh, and then we also got some marketing material for Doom Patrol. So we got a new team poster um, and then we got some like individual character teasers, little 10 second video clips. Uh, have you checked these out, Tom? Yeah, I like what I what I see. I mean, there's not a lot to tell us anything about the show other than the look of the characters and I like I really like the way they all look. Uh, they look like the Doom Patrol bot to life to me. Yeah, the the poster is it's good. It's a decent poster. There's nothing crazy good that sticks out about it, but I really love the little teasers for each of the characters, just the the style that was consistent across them but then like tweaked for for each individual character to make it unique and then they have like the musical theme that comes back at the end of each one but slightly altered and it's a little reminiscent of like the stranger things theme i don't know if if they're intentionally going for that or they were just influenced by that or maybe i'm just i'm just hearing it because i like that theme uh, but yeah i really really like these and we got crazy jane we got to see like snippets of her personalities and stuff and that was pretty cool yeah absolutely uh are you surprised at all about how little we have seen for the show that comes out next week, February 15th? Um, I I guess not really too much because we have, you know, I think they're banking on you have, having watched Titans and you basically got a whole episode long trailer for Doom Patrol because that episode really did feel like it was just, it could have been the pilot for Doom Patrol almost. So maybe they're banking on that and not doing as much uh, marketing, but that's also because of the world that I live in where I'm like consuming all of this media as much as possible. I'm not like a general audience person who's never heard of this. So yeah, it's, I guess outside of Titans. Yeah, it is. It does seem like they haven't really released much at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining for me. I, I haven't seen anything. I mean, I'm going to watch it either way and I like everything I've seen, but I, I am surprised that we haven't seen even a full long trailer. Maybe they think they can't make one as controversial as the Titans one was. So <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe they're not going to try for that. But I, I am a little surprised that we haven't seen more. Now that I say that, we'll get four trailers in the next two days and uh, be sick of seeing everything. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to watch this either way. But I have seen like YouTube ads and stuff. It seems like they're pushing this and trying to get more people involved in general audience. Uh, and so I've seen, I've seen, I see a lot of Doom Patrol ads on the internet. Yeah, and like you said, just a week from today, February fifteenth, is when that premieres. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. <laughs> this Doom Patrol is a really cool team. I think this is going to feel really unique to everything that's out there and a bunch of weird and cool and fun characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. The WB has apparently completed its investigation on Black Lightning showrunner Salim Akil. So if you remember a few months back, he was sued for assault, battery, and breach of conduct. And uh, it sounds like they're not going to do anything. They, they did an investigation and didn't find anything worth uh, firing or anything like that. The CW president, Mark Pedowitz, said he had a personal issue that has nothing to do with the show. The show, as far as we're concerned, is that Salim, the other producers, the casting crew, they deserve to work. So that appears to be it for now, unless new evidence or anything like that comes to light. But it sounds like Salim McKeel will be staying on Black Lightning. Yeah. And I don't want to like speculate about what happened or didn't happen. But if the 
I'm sure that the people involved know more about it than we do. And if, if it doesn't affect the running of the show, if it, if they don't think that it's uh, a big enough moral conflict that they don't want to work with them, then I trust what they're doing. Yeah. I'm glad they did a, an investigation. I hope it was thorough. I really don't have anything to add. Like you, like you said, we don't know what really happened or not. So I uh, can't really comment on it. So executive producer Danny Cannon talked about Pennyworth, the upcoming show on Epics with the TCAs at the Television Critics Association press tour where you get a bunch of TV news. He said, it's 20-something years before Gotham. It's a very different world. This is the DC version of 1960s London. So they said it's not exactly what you would think of necessarily with 60s London. He compared it to how Gotham, they imagine it as the darkest part of New York. And so this is going to be not, you know, it's going to have a specific 60s London flair, I guess. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, it's always kind of fun. Like, so this in my mind, this like treat this like an Elseworld, basically. And um, kind of, it's obviously when they're talking, it reminds me of Ga- Gotham by Gaslight because, but that's a little farther back. So this is set a little forward more than that, but still like seamy underground London um, reminiscent of Gotham. So that's, that sounds cool to me. He was kind of asked about that and he said, they won't really be using ancestors to Batman villains, which I'm kind yeah. of glad of. I don't want to see joke Jack Napier the first or whatever. Uh, but we will. They said they will use classic villains of British literature. So somebody was asked asked about Jack the Ripper, and he said maybe descendants of Jack the Ripper since he was before that. But it sounds like they could get into a lot of classic, class those classic bad guys from British lit. Yeah, that's cool. And he also described it as unhinged and R-rated, which if that if it helps tell a good story, I guess. That's cool, but I I haven't in my life ever really imagined Alfred Pennyworth as an unhinged R-rated kind of character. But then again, I never really thought that I would want to watch a a Pennyworth solo TV series, and this sounds pretty interesting. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and I mean, in unhinged R-rated stuff, and I think it was specifically compared to Gotham. It's going to be unhinged compared to Gotham, uh, which surprised me because Gotham itself is very unhinged at times yeah. I, I mostly mean that in a good way but yeah i'm surprised by that and so i don't know how that doesn't really excite me but that doesn't mean it will be bad or anything like that um yeah i still say if we don't see alfred taking you know i know he's going to be doing all this fighting and all kinds of crazy spy stuff and that but if we don't see him at a cooking class i think it'll be a really missed <laughs> opportunity even as like a cold opening to an episode or something yeah and from that same tcas we've got a little bit of season finale series finale talk for Gotham. So not really spoilers, but maybe potential spoilers here. So if you don't want to know anything about the finale, jump off. We saved this for last. So spoilers. Uh, Batman, as we've said before, will be in the finale. And we wondered how they were going to do that. And it sounds like the Bruce Wayne actor, David Mazus, will voice the character ambient close-ups. But since he's not, you know, since he's still relatively young for Batman, and this is going to be a flash forward, another actor will mainly be in the suit. So when you see faraway shots or presumably fighting and stuff like that, that will be a different actor or stunt double and we will just see david mazus and the close-up stuff which i think is probably the best solution yeah. for this this is probably what would make me happiest because uh i don't want to see somebody else in the suit but he's also isn't quite built like batman yet there's no offense to him but he's not quite there yet yeah this this seems like the best compromise the best way to do this and so i'm glad that they're doing it this way just exactly like you said i i don't think he he fills out the suit uh, probably the best and then hopefully we'll be seeing some pretty good stunts so they would probably need somebody else in this in the suit anyways well yeah and he'd be playing a years older character so he's just right. i mean he would look different 10 years from now 
So this, this makes a lot of sense to me. All right. That is all we have for today. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon.